0: Welcome to the Growing Green Landscapes Podcast with Jeremiah Jennings. While still in his early 20s, Jeremiah already runs a successful six-figure lawn maintenance company. Listen in as he and his guests share the things that have brought them success that can help you in your business. As a young entrepreneur in the green industry, Jeremiah emphasizes the tips and tricks involved in running a lawn maintenance business while discussing the principles applying to all small businesses. If you're wanting to grow, become profitable and professional, you're in the right place. And now, here's your host, Jeremiah Jennings.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Growing Green Landscapes podcast. This is your host, Jeremiah Jennings. Uh, thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode today. Uh, as you know, we're coming off the podcasting session we had in Huntsville with some lawn bros. Hope y'all really enjoyed those episodes. It, it meant a lot to me getting to meet those guys and talk to them and hang out. And it was just super cool and experience getting to hang out with all those uh, other guys in the industry and uh, learn from them and have them teach me some things. And and I kind of helped them out with some things that they were looking for. So really cool to make that connection. Can't wait to get back to it and uh, do it again. But today we're going to move on with another guest interview. Uh, I really enjoy these. I I take a lot out of them and I hope you all do too. Uh, We can sit here and do solo podcasts all day long, but I enjoy hearing from everybody. Uh, in the industry and people that do different types of uh, work in the industry from maintenance to hardscapes to softscapes and everything in between. So uh, today we have on uh, Jamie Fi with uh, Supremescapes. He is out of Ohio and uh, Jamie how you doing today buddy?
2: Good man thanks for having me.
1: Good deal. Well uh, Jamie there's not really set agenda. I mean if you've listened to some in the past we're just kind of going to sit back and talk and chat and uh, discuss where you came from and uh, how you've gotten to where you are today. It's a, We got to meet, uh, it's another interview from Together in the Trades Connection. It was a great conference out there. Uh, we really enjoyed it, and I'm sure we'll probably get into that and talk about it a little bit today. Young, share your experience with it. Um, but if you if you didn't know what it is, go back and listen to some other episodes. We dove in uh, to that topic and talked about it further but made some great connections out there. Jamie's one of them, and I wanted to get him on the podcast and kind of talk about his business and uh, how he's gotten to where he is today and what they're doing. So, Jamie, I'm going to hand it off to you, and you just kind of take and run with it, brother.
2: Yeah, cool, man. Um, Yeah, so we're a full design, build, and maintain landscaping business. Um, We're based out of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, We've been doing this for going on. This is our 10th year now. Um, I've been in the industry for uh, 12, 13 years. Um, So we we started out um, just myself, really, really small um, vision starting out. Um, I worked at a landscaping company here in Cincinnati, and it was a good company to learn a lot of basic skills at, um, but not necessarily. I learned Pretty quickly, that it wasn't somewhere that we were going to be able to, um, or that I was going to be able to further my career. Um, So I worked there for a few years, fell in love with the industry. Um, I was pruning a Japanese maple, and one one of the days, and I was just sitting here um, thinking to myself, I could do this the rest of my life, just prune this tree. Like, I just loved being outside. The sun was on my face. Um, It it was just a really good day, and it really kind of solidified the landscape industry for me. and so I, uh, I worked with them and it was great. The culture was not where I needed it to be. And so I went on a mission trip um, down to Mexico and I was just kind of talking with some of these guys in the, um, in the men's group and we were hashing out some of the, like, the big things that were going on in our lives. And I was considering starting a landscaping business and I was bouncing it off a couple guys and one of our family friends, um, the dad, he was uh, kind of the mentor of the group. And I I pushed a couple of, of uh, questions on him and he kind of gave me the green light and said, hey, you know, go for it. So I came back. Um, I worked about a week at that company, uh, I, about a week and a half, and, uh, and told them I was going to, um, you know, move on and, and start my own business. So at that point, I did like the really simple math and um, I needed to cut four yards a day. And that was basically me making my paycheck that I worked at that landscaping business. It was like a hundred bucks a day I was making or something. So I, uh, I got that part down and, you know, fast forward, we've got, you know, maybe 30 or 40 mowing accounts. Um, I just went door to door and just shook hands with people, looked them in the eye and, and told them what we were doing. And, um, and it was me at the time, what I was doing. Um, and, yeah, so just very slowly uh, gained accounts just doing door-to-door marketing. I didn't really have a lot of money at that time to, to put um, mass, you know, some mass marketing budget together. So that was it. Um, humble beginnings on gaining the first 40 to 50 clients. And we were just cutting grass at that time. Um, we had a little Ford Ranger, uh, like a 98 Ford Ranger with a five by seven um, trailer from uh, Tractor Supply. And we outfitted that thing uh, with some wood sides so we could put some debris in it. Like sometimes we'd take on like a, a landscape job here and there, um, but it was just not the right trailer for doing landscaping. We actually broke one of the wheels on it loading it down with two yards of topsoil one day. Um, that was a really funny story. Topsoil
1: is deceptively heavy. It, Dude, it, it, is heavy
2: man. it is. It is. We um, we loaded it up. And we were thinking we were being so smart because we were saving all this time. And then we get, we get like five minutes from the job and the wheel falls off the trailer in the (laughs) middle of an intersection. And the the spindle, the five, the five lug spindle just starts etching into the, uh, into the ground. And we're like pulling out of the intersection. We finally get onto the street and we're just ticking the road. Every single spark's
1: probably flying everywhere.
2: (laughs) Yeah. 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 So we made it, we got the job done. And, um, yeah, man, I haven't thought about that in a long time.
1: That's one of those you just keep on trucking. You don't turn around. You don't stop. You just keep just. No, keep we did not
2: stop. Yeah. No. We were like, this is about as bad as it can get. We, we got about another quarter mile to get to the job. We're, we're just going to keep it going. Yeah. My, axle snaps. The axle snaps. We'll no, just drag the trailer.
1: <laughs> that's insane. I had a buddy that was, he did some uh, home renovations and he was taking a toilet out one day and he thought it wasn't going to go anywhere, but he got in the interstate. And he took off, and I mean that thing just flew out like a rocket. And I said, "Hey," he said, I, "I saw it go out, and I never stopped. You just keep on trucking and don't turn around. If as long as it doesn't hit anybody, you just keep on going because yep. it, it is not worth getting in the mess of that." So, yep, that's yeah. funny. So, but. so
2: yeah, so we're rocking this little uh, this little Ford Ranger and this five by seven trailer maybe we were getting about 80 to a hundred thousand or so at this point. Um, and I keep saying we, it was just me. Um, I had a really good, um, really good second year. My first year, I think I did about 30,000. And then we're now we're into year two, uh, and doing, uh, I had hired a guy. Um, it was actually a guy that had worked with me, um, at the previous landscaping company I was at. So he and I are going out cutting grass every day, maybe doing a couple of little miscellaneous trimming jobs here and there. Um, whatever was low hanging fruit, we'd grab that. And then uh, at that point, we, um, we were able to break off and create a landscaping crew, which I was going to lead. And then um, this guy was going to lead the mowing crew. Um, and so he did that. And we kind of had this um, simple transition of we were working together in one truck uh and then i bought a um i bought an f150 and we split into a landscape rig and a lawn mowing rig and at that point he was probably taking care of uh 50 or so yards a week um and then i was just doing random landscape jobs on my own um and we'd come come together for the big stuff but so we did that for a while and i i kind of hired friends and um guys that were uh home from summer college um, that whole thing. And we just clawed at every opportunity we possibly could get our hands on. Um, and we would kind of push the bar too. We would do stuff that we weren't necessarily, um, that we didn't have experience on. So like we'd be doing, uh, maybe like a dry Creek riverbed or something that we, you know, you don't know in the beginning to like put fabric underneath your rock. So it doesn't melt into your, Um, soil. yeah, And so we do stuff like that. And then um, it was just good experience. We just, I trusted myself enough to like watch YouTube and like get educated and ask other people in the industry and start taking on bigger jobs. Um, And then we started taking it very, very seriously. um, Our education on, on different hardscapes and why hardscapes function the way that they do. Um, all the different elements that have to play together to have a nice um, structural system that 's going to be um, everything that the customer's looking for um, I always say fashionable and functional uh functional being first so yeah. um yeah, so then we just started getting into like small patios and um you know ten by ten paper patios and then we do like a little three foot retaining wall and then uh, we do a retaining wall and a patio and um at that point, you kind of have your name out there. And again, we're not doing any marketing at this point. Um, we're just leaving a pretty decent wake of happy customers behind us. Um, and, and that really spoke pretty well for us marketing-wise. Um, so, yeah, we just kept on growing at that point, adding a truck here and there. Um, and then we got to the point where we had multiple we had one one solid mowing crew that was kind of getting at capacity um and that's how we've always liked to grow is like you get at capacity for what your crew can do and then out of that discomfort births another crew um and you have to take that leap because then you're you know maybe going door to door again to find more mowing accounts because you don't to get that, other for that crew. second route yeah yeah completely um because then you know <laughs> It was like the crew would break off and be like a mowing crew, but they'd also kind of be a landscaping crew, but we're trying to get them to be a full-time mowing crew. So they would be like kind of 50-50. We call them switch crews. Um, so it was always that way. Whenever we opened a new crew, they were always a switch crew. They were always kind of biting off what needed to be done. Um, and then eventually they would assume their role once there was enough work. And then we just kind of did that over and over and over again. Um, and today we are running um, two full-time mowing crews, uh, one full-time landscaping crew, and then one full-time hardscaping crew. Um, and we've got about typically between 14 and 16 field workers um, on an on season, so anywhere from March all the way through December. Um, so that's that's our current operation right now. We've had a heck of a time the last couple of years um scaling and just getting the right people in place um and getting them to understand the vision of what we're doing and that this can be a career for them yeah. and not just a job so we've we've just taken so many strides on um it, like the amount of meetings that we have now are just hilarious like we have meetings about everything um, so that we can all be on the same page. Communication
1: is key though in that aspect.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So prior to, um, prior to hiring a business coach and this is where, this is where I think God really blessed us because there is no reason why our business coach should be coaching us. Um, (laughs) He's a fortune 500 PNG big time, you know, business coach um, doing, you know, 50 plus hundred plus employees. Um, so he, I think that he really enjoys our business and maybe it's like his little pet project and he loves to see us grow. Um, and it's a really, it's a good relationship between the both of us, but with his advice, um, and doing personality tests on all the employees and just getting the right systems in place and asking the right questions. um, at this point, we are fully scaling the business. um, And, you know, I, I describe it as we are kind of operating and we're pushing this button or turning this dial and seeing what pops out on the other end, because we have the flexibility to do that. Um, a lot of the times you are like, I can think five years ago, we didn't have any flexibility. It was like, you get the job done. You're just working on tighter margins um, because you're trying to scale up and get like a base. Um, So at this point, we get to at least have a little bit of breathing room to have some office personnel handle a lot of the day-to-day communications with all the customers. And we're serving, I think, probably right around 800 to 1,000 customers um, on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. So reoccurring reoccurring on a weekly basis, we're probably touching maybe 200 homes or so. Yeah. Um,
1: That's still a lot to keep up with, though.
2: Yeah, lots of logistics and yeah. lots of planning, and, and thank God for Jobber. Um, we were doing everything on Excel spreadsheets uh, up until about two years ago, three years ago. And once so, you do yeah. it now, you're like, how did
1: I ever do that? Now that you have a good CRM. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Once you get a CRM, it's like um, you just can't even – I can't remember. That's the other thing. I'm a little, like, blind to my like the memory of, like, what used to be. Even, like, we just hired uh, some office personnel – and she is amazing and i can't remember not having her now yeah it's just it's like i'm so infatuated with what we do now that it doesn't matter like living in the past it's just like a i can't even get there if i wanted to yeah yeah
1: that's <laughs> that's super cool to hear where you came from I mean, from a one-wheel trailer driving down the road with some topsoil yeah. up to 16 guys um there's a lot to hit on out of that, and, but one of the big things to me that stuck out is you grew organically. It sounds like you didn't you didn't shoot up overnight. This is an eight to ten year process of yes. growing, maxing yourself out, and then, like you said, starting that second crew. You get to the point, you get to your almost to your breaking point, and then you say, "All right, I've got to move on. I, I've got to get another one." You don't just go out and go buy two or three brand new trucks and hire ten guys and say, "All right, go find the work." It didn't work that way. Absolutely. Does does not work that way. And you saying you did door to door marketing when we were talking before this, uh, you had done some door to door marketing uh, before when you were starting out, and uh, it sounded like you were pretty successful at it. But as you've grown, have you how how do you market now? How did you market as you scaled? Um, are, you, are you using your social media platforms? Are you using Facebook? What are you doing to uh, now that you have these guys? You have a you have six fourteen sixteen guys that you're providing for. You have to keep that work coming in now. So. Um, how did you, and I'm sure so, uh, word of mouth is huge now because you've, it is. you're on those 800 to thousand customers a year. So that's a lot of people spreading your name around, but getting to that point, how did people, I know, I always hear people talk about how do I get the phone to ring? How do I, how do I market? How do I grow like this? How do I get my route maxed out so I can add a second crew? Um, yeah. what, what would you say that helps you get to that point?
2: Yeah. So, um, I think it's a point to say that, uh, so my wife was working in the, um, she, she had her dream nonprofit job. She was doing marketing for a, um, orphan care ministry and to pull her away from that was like really, really difficult. Um, but there were a couple things, a couple other things at play that, that made that, um, an opportunity for us. So she came on board she has yet to really sink in her marketing expertise um, because she's been so inundated with the day-to-day office stuff. Um, So I, I can't say that we really market that much. Like we do maybe a couple of um, targeted Google ads uh, for specific things that we want to grow in or just be busy with. Um, But other than that, I think we, we've done door hangers in our like selected, you know, Brian Fullerton, he talks a lot about um, route density. Um, and so we'll do door hangers in very, very small communities that we want to grow in. Like we've got one community where we have 82 properties and it's all maybe um, one and a half square miles. Wow. Uh, is that's that, insane. Is that property? Yeah. Yeah. So that's our, that's our baby. Um, and so Marketing wise, we don't really have to do anything because on a weekly basis, we've got two to three trucks in that community just driving around uh, that are completely logoed up that we clean. We try to clean every Friday. So we're just we're looking as dialed as we possibly can when we're in that community. We've talked with all the guys about being on your absolute best behavior when you're in that community, um, because that's been a super big key for us to like really grow and be profitable because I think anyone listening to this who's got a landscaping business is going to know that windshield time, especially a maintenance crew, uh, windshield time on a lawn mowing rig is just a complete waste of time.
1: Um, it'll kill you. It'll so put you at, out of business faster than just, losing customers. Yeah, when.
2: yeah. It's just, it's just overhead. It's just not necessary. Yeah. Um, and so we really look at those. We've got like three communities that we just want to – over and over and over, um, market to, um, by just being there. Um, and then we do door hangers in the like February timeframe, um, right before mowing season. Um, and then again, we just keep our guys as, as, um, professional as possible when we're in those areas. So that's like our marketing tactic. Um, yeah. and Google ads right now, we're only doing that for firewood deliveries. So that's really the only, um, the only thing we advertised yeah we did a little bit of like house we had a house profile for a little while Mm -hmm. um but it didn't really yield a lot of what we were looking for um we still get the random person that was like yeah i found you on house it's like oh okay that was like two years ago i forgot i even had that yeah i forgot we don't manage it um so yeah
1: yeah i hear you. so it sounds like word of mouth and that's what everybody says it's word of mouth it's your biggest, it's your greatest advantage to marketing, but you have to do quality work for that to happen. If you go out there when you were by yourself and you hired that first guy, uh, if you were out there just half button it, not getting stuff done the right yeah. way, then you would never be to this point. And, and that's, absolutely, any guys that are starting out right now, if you might seem small, you might feel like, yeah, that I'm never going to get to that point. That point is like unattainable. You yeah. probably. You probably had big goals to get to this point when you started out, but when you were start when you were small and you were one guy, you probably had some of those thoughts the same way of how am I ever going to get there? But you went out there and you busted it, and and you did the quality work and you provided for those customers the way that um, you felt like you did the best you absolutely could, and that's what we were talking about before we hit record. Was you have kind of a uh, almost to your downfall something of you want to please your customers so well that it you can almost end up taking on too much stuff. But it's not it's not for the money. It's because you want to take care of those customers. And if they ask you and they want you to do something, you want to do it the right way. And yeah, uh, yeah. that's a that's such a big thing that um it, it just you gotta do quality work. You have to present yourself well, like you're saying, be professional out in the field.
2: Yeah. So I don't know where I heard it, but um early, early on I learned the phrase that money is a byproduct of good service. And I've never forgotten that. Um, That's and good. I, to a, to a T, um, just like it was the most meticulous landscaping we could possibly do. Like we, we, uh, thought about changing our name. Like we've been Supreme scapes for since we started, but we thought about changing to like meticulous lawn care or something like that. Because, um, before I consulted with a design company to like talk to me about our logo and everything, um, they interviewed us and talked to us about everything you're like yeah whatever they went through all that but um yeah it was uh you have to leave a trail of the most excited and pleased customers not only um about the work but the process as well um and the relationship too um so there's just like so many aspects like you can go in and do a job um, and actually, I had a customer tell me uh, like a year ago, it was like revolutionary for me to hear this. How you open the door is how you should close the door. So, when you open the door to a new relationship, a customer's calling you to do some work, and you're like this fun, bubbly guy, right? You're like trying to get the sale. And then you go through, and maybe the job goes south, and um, whatever happens, like we all have those jobs that um, just don't pan out. And how you close that door um, means everything, at least to me now. Um, Even if you went belly up on the job, you close that door with a smile and um, you leave that customer, that customer never needs to know that you broke even on the job or uh, that you lost money on the job because that's just part of what it is. And learning, um, oh, I didn't put enough man hours on that job. Uh, I'll know for next time. And Jobber helps us do that tremendously we put notes in on every job and track profitability per job and all that stuff. So we have a lot of data, but, um, yeah, open the door, um, close the door, how you open it. It it was just like a huge little tidbit that this customer said, and she was, she had no idea she was saying it like, and I was just receiving this like golden nugget of wisdom of how to treat our customers. Um, and so I've been trying to do that as best I can. And I'm always overbooked with just a bunch of stuff. I'm addicted to, um, Having our customers' needs be met, so I'm always saying yes to things. And, yeah, um, but you know, but we're we're having meetings and um, just all kinds of cool stuff, and we've we've created this culture where the guys and everyone in the office just feels ownership over everything we do. And sometimes I sit back and I look at um, the passion that is in our teams, um, that's on their faces or in their voices, and I'm like, man, these guys actually care more than I do some days. Like if I'm having a bad day, like these guys are picking up the slack where I'm having a bad day and they're pushing the ball forward. Mm. And that was not easy to do to foster that, uh that culture. So um I'm just so, I'm so thankful for that now that just, you know, just thinking about it.
1: Yeah. That, that's a blessing that I know because I know so many people down here uh, are some of our local guys around us that are having a hard time keeping employees and, and having a good attitude when they're there. And that's – the culture that you create, and it, I I don't even know you that well, but the, the vibe that I get from you is you love what you're doing. You're very energetic about it. You're passionate, and uh, you want to please the customer and do the best work you possibly can. That's going to rub off on your employees. So when you're out there and you're looking for employees and you're wondering why you can't keep stuff, what do you like? What do you like to work for? That that's the thing. Like, I mean, are you a good employer? If that's if you're out yeah. there tr- having trouble with keeping people, it sounds to me like you have fourteen to sixteen guys in the summer, and you're retaining pretty well. From what it sounds like, they're mm-hmm. bought into your they're bought into your philosophy of supreme scapes of we're going to go out here and do the best work we possibly can and leave this client 100 satisfied and if you don't if you don't have the attitude of we're going to go out here and kill it and we're going to always have good attitude and yeah it's going to be hot in the summer you're going to i'm not saying you're not right. going to have some bad right. days that's what you were just telling me was yeah you, you were in the field today it was a super hot day but you got through it and now look at the attitude that you're having here it's you're rubbing off on your employees more than you know, and it's one of those things like everybody is somebody's always watching you, and and you don't know who it is, mm-hmm. and that, your employees watch you, they watch your attitude, and the, yeah. the your employees watch each other. So when you when you're hiring those first one or two guys, I mean, I'm still at that point where I only have three employees in the summer, so it's we're super small, yeah. but the employees feed off each other. So that first hire is arguably, I would say one of the most crucial things in your business. If you're trying to scale. Yeah, you're
2: setting the culture up at that point. Exactly. um, What, uh, what our coach has done is um, again, personality tests. We have zone training meetings, um, which basically puts everyone on the same page so that we all have a common language to speak. And one of our common languages or one of our, um, I guess, examples of how to identify problems is we have a place called The Village. If you're in The Village, it means you're having a bad day. So if I walk up to you and you've got the tremor and you're just sweating and it's like you throw the tremor down or something, I'm walking up to you and be like, hey man, you in The Village? And you'll be like, yeah, dude, I'm in the freaking village. I don't know what to do. I'm like, you know, waist deep. I'm just, I'm so pissed, blah, blah, blah. I'm sweating and whatever. My girlfriend broke up with me. Whatever's going on. <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, so like you're in The Village and um, there's... You can you're the only person that can um get yourself out of the village. And so with the help of our guys, each guy around you, we all have that common language, like, hey, we know you're in the village, man. You need a Snickers bar. Like, what do you need from yeah. me? You wanna hop on the rider for the next job and feel the wind in your face? Like, what do you need? And so I've heard that constantly. Um, that common language talked and acted out. And it's like the most Um, it's one of the most proudest, like proudest moments of owning the business. It's like, you see that culture constantly re perennialize and just keep coming and keep coming and getting better and better. Um, Almost to the point where there's like, there's different like ways that you can get into the village, into this crappy mood. You can be a visitor, you can be a resident, meaning like you're being there for like a long time and that's not cool. Or you can be the mayor where you can recruit other people to come into the village and be pissed off. And the culture that we have in our company right now is that basically the mayors get fired. You don't recruit other people to be pissed off. You try and pull them out of the hole. Um, and everyone on our team, all 16 guys are going to tell you that, uh, we just don't do that. Like we don't do the drama thing. We've had the drama. Um, we've had all kinds of problems before. Um, and we just don't do it. So when we have guys that we hire, because maybe it's out of necessity. Um, we, we need a guy or, you know, it's a quick hire and you're not thrilled about who you've hired. Maybe, um, it, if it becomes a problem, the guys just squeeze him out or he or she out, um, because they realize that it wasn't a good fit. And it's like all 16 will be like, we'll be like, Hey, how are we feeling about John, the new guy? And everybody's like either yay or nay. Um, and it's like, if he's, if he's a problem, it's just, you know, That's, that's how our culture is. We're not, not drama. We're like literally the guys will stay to help change brakes on like another guy's car. Like we'll have six guys out there off the clock and they're all brakes on, on one dude's truck because whatever, or like a guy wants to borrow a truck to go pick up a kayak or something. Like we're super flexible, probably more flexible than we should be. Yeah. But we are a, we're like, you're a family. You're a family family mentality, man. Like we hang out, like we just got our, we just did our company canoe trip and everybody's just having a ball and we're just getting to know each other deeper. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really cool thing we've built and I, I can't take credit past three years ago because it wasn't just me. It's now our entire team is building this house that we all get to live in. Um, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and guys are now, getting, they're putting the hammers down and they're hopping in front of the computers. Now we got a couple of guys that are on salary that are like getting more computer time. Um, and so we're creating some careers for those guys. And, you know, as soon as I hire a salesman, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I've kind of, I've caught the carrot at that point. Like I, truth be told, like, I'm really trying to figure out what the next step is, um, for the next five years. I'm constantly trying to figure out what the heck to do. Like we're, we we bought a, shop um we've built it out to what we need it to be we just put an offer in on the property next door which is just a residential house we're going to gut that whole house and make it an office and then we're going to put up a 50 by 100 pole barn behind it and at that point that's I headquarters baby it's headquarters man <laughs> yeah. and i couldn't tell you what the next step is like material bins fuel on site like all the stuff that we hear um Caleb almond yeah. and weird, like all the stuff that we, Andy Malter, like we hear all these guys, like all the, the efficiencies that they talk about, like having material on site and all that stuff will be happening in due time. Um, once, once we do that. And then at that point, I, I feel like we'll have a business model that I don't have to be in on the day to day. Um, but I'll still need to lead it from a culture perspective and like a CEO perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll need to come in and bang the drum and still lead the lead the wagon, but um, and you'll always
1: be working on yourself, even though you're not in it every day. Yeah. You'll still be learning how. That's one thing I was I heard I heard the other day was you have to learn to lead yourself before you can lead someone else. And yeah. if you didn't learn to lead yourself along the way, then how are you going to lead your your production manager or the guys that are now on the computer time? You had to teach yeah. yourself and and lead yourself and say how am I going to do this? I'm going to figure out these systems, and now you can implement and help them do it. And now you're not. It's like Corey Ballard always says: you're not working a job; you own a business, and yeah. you're almost to that point where you're going to be out of it, the everyday stuff. But you're still going to be involved because, like you said, you're going to come in and lead every lead, and might not be an everyday thing, but make your presence known. Keep that keep that company culture up. And uh, yeah. just keep everyone involved, and ha- have that attitude that y'all have. And that, that sounds awesome, man. It's a uh, you sound, and everybody just has their problems for sure. But it just sounds like you have a great company culture, and and that's a huge thing. That even we're talking sixteen guys for you. This is something you can have with three guys. Whether it's you and yeah. another guy, or you and three, it doesn't matter how many you have. All right, everybody, I hope you all enjoyed that episode as much as I did. This was a super fun uh, podcast that I did with Jamie here. This is actually going to just be part one. We're going to have to split this episode into two because me and Jamie sat here and talked for well over an hour and uh, packed a lot of content in that hour, and it's just going to be too much to put in one podcast for you to try to retain it all. So we decided to switch it up here. We're going to do a little two-part series series uh this is going to be episode one episode two is going to come out next wednesday as always we come out on wednesdays and fridays so it is uh going to be better than the first one i think i think the second half is better than the first half so if you like the first half definitely come back for the second half next week on wednesday here it'll be out bright and early in the morning so come check it out if you enjoyed it leave those all important ratings and reviews, like you say uh really helps us social proof the podcast and get it to the point where other people are listening in and we're growing to a bigger audience and just growing this community together. So I hope y'all enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you did leave the drinks or reviews and we're going to wrap this one up. So we will just see y'all here on the next one.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the growing green landscapes podcast. We know you have many other podcast options to choose from and don't take it for granted that you chose to spend some time with us today. You can connect with Jeremiah Jennings at Growing Green Landscapes on Instagram or use the link in the show description. Don't forget to smash the follow button on the podcast and leave those five-star ratings and reviews. We hope you crush it in your business and hope to catch you on our next episode.